This is the Data Career Podcast, where we talk about everything you need to know to have an amazing data career. I'm your host, Avery Smith, and I couldn't be more excited that you're here. In this episode, I did a Data Career Podcast interview with Florine Badita. He is a Forbes 30 under 30 Europe, and he is a owner and freelancer for his own data mining and data analysis company. Florine is really cool. We had an awesome conversation where we talked about his journey into data and basically how he has zero credentials, but used volunteering and the open source community to forge his way into the industry, um, how he freelances on his own, how he learned everything that he has learned, the powers of web scraping and data mining. And it's a really interesting episode. It really highlighted to me if you don't have experience, one way you can gain experience is through volunteering. That's that's another way to fabricate your own experience. So I hope you guys enjoy. The audio wasn't exactly great. Um, I think my microphone got mixed up or something because it doesn't sound like I'm using my professional mic. It sounds like my computer mic. So I apologize in advance for the audio, but I still think there are valuable lessons that I definitely wanted to share this pod with each and every one of you. Definitely connect with Florine. I'll have his LinkedIn in the show notes and yeah, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hey everyone, how are you doing? I hope you are doing very well and welcome back to the Data Career Podcast. I'm very excited because we have a very special guest today. We have Florine Barita and he'll be talking to us a little bit more about uh, data mining and how he got started in the data world. So Florine, welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Hi Avi, thanks for inviting me. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, so. Uh, how did I get uh, into data? For me, I, I discovered ca- uh, computers when I was like five years old, four, five years old. Uh, I had some like a Atari, communist version of Atari that, and uh, some other computers that were using like basic. And I was playing with them and I liked the idea of playing with the computer, but I was just doing some small things. Uh, Got that, that makes sense. Um, I guess let's start off uh, just little, um, just little background for, for everyone here. Um, you're currently, you're, you're uh, Forbes 30 under 30 in Europe and a GIS and data mining specialist. Um, yeah. so, so, and I guess also where, where are you living right now? So currently I'm based in Romania. Uh, okay. For the pandemic. And also, I just become a dad with just, uh, so for the next few years, I will probably stay from here. And this is kind of aligned with my objective of working only remotely. Oh, cool. So that's one of your goals is to work more remotely. Well, full time. Full time. I like it. Yes, I I like that too. I I only want to work at home. You guys can't see it right now. Florine's in a pretty cool... It's like a backyard tent. Where are you at? Uh, yeah, this is the the garden 
of uh, the house of uh, the parents of my uh, wife where we, we are living and it's like really really beautiful we should do it like i will send you some pictures during the day it's really a whole ecosystem of nature here yeah it looks very beautiful um okay so you got started with data because you fell in love with computers from trying to build a video game atari is that what you said uh, I was using kind of a video game Atari kind of style, but uh, I was programming in basic and yeah, I was playing a lot of video games for, uh, from that age, like until maybe 20, 22 years old, uh, I had a period of like six years when I was like literally obsessed on, you know, on playing. I didn't have that much of a social life because I was bullied and stuff like that. And I kind of got better with computers and like, okay computers i can be whoever i want and nobody will bully me there in a way i like that you kind of found solace from social life in, in the computers yeah makes sense um okay so then that got you into computers but i guess what got you further into data then so with the data part uh, i started uh, around the uh, my but my brother was passionate with excel he was using like excel and doing he was accounting doing accounting econo economy and he was using a lot of excel and creating a lot of spreadsheets and data data sets and for me I was like ah mm, interesting and he taught uh, taught me a lot of things uh, related with uh, that and uh, after i become kind of uh, more bigger i was like okay i can use computers but uh, what how could I be, I don't know, get paid for this? And uh, I found different uh, persons that uh, they had a lot of uh, data or they have different types of information, but they didn't know kind of how to clean them or how to do other stuff with them. And uh, knowing me, uh, we, we know each other as friends and they know that, okay, I'm good at computers. So they were like, hey, can you help us with this? So this was kind of the first gigs in a way that uh, I started having. Okay. And I guess on your, your timeline, uh, where, where was that? Is that like, um, cause I know you, you studied psychology originally. Was this before or after you studied psychology? Um, it was a little before, but more seriously, I started after psychology. So I did psychology for two and a half years out of three. And then I uh, quit uh, the faculty because I didn't like the idea that we were doing a lot of theory, but not that much practice. Mm. Um, and for me, I was like, okay, psychology, that's the thing that you, you interact with people you do and we only read from books that we don't practice. Uh, and uh, after I, I quit uh, psychology, after that, I started getting more involved with data. Also, my parents, uh, they started a company where they were selling furniture, accessories and uh, things like that. And I helped them like, okay, let's create a website. Uh, you have a lot of data. Let's see how we can process it. Let's see how we can identify who are the most uh, high value clients and uh, do some promotions for them so we can keep them around. So this is where I kind of also started applying uh, my knowledge for computers regarding data and doing it in a way that was also like commercially useful. Okay, very cool. So that, that kind of started it. Um, 
And at the time, was it like mostly uh, like data, like visualization, or was it mostly the website building, or what what type of data was it that you you were dealing with? Yeah, in in that too, it was mostly like internal data, like clients orders and things like that. Uh, when I started getting more interested with more like available data was around 2011, like 10 years ago. I was like 23, and uh, I started also doing volunteering. So I started getting uh, involved in different uh, NGOs to like, hey, I want to volunteer, I want to help. How can I help? And uh, with some of the vol uh, some of the associations uh, that I worked, uh, there were. Uh, they were doing a lot of research about uh, gathering different type of data. Like they needed a list with the list of NGOs in a you know county or stuff like that. And there were there were no publicly available good data. And I was seeing them. I was, I was seeing like I don't know a volunteer that would spend two weeks manually gathering this kind of type of data. So I, I was more interested like how we could automatize this and. Uh, 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 there was I, I after some years there there were also st something was started called the uh, Open Government Partnership OGP, which uh, is uh, is started in uh, US and uh, there are like I don't know maybe one hundred countries in the world that uh, they are part of this so they will create uh, the if you are part of this uh, movement in a way like governmental agreements. That happens, uh, you agree that you will start to share data, public data, and you will start to share it uh, publicly or online, hopefully not in PDF and in a comma separated value or something that you can then process more programmatically. And yeah, when I discovered these types of data, then I was like, hmm, perfect. Now I have a lot of data sets. Let's start to play with them and uh, try to see how we can, uh, what we can learn from this data. And yeah. This, yeah. I, I think that's a very good point that you just brought up that one of the best ways to get into data and get access to data and get experience is actually through volunteering, right? Um, and you said you volunteered for some of these NGOs. I mean, those are people that, you know, since you're volunteering, it doesn't even, um, they don't really even, care that much about your experience they're just happy that you're there to help um but it sounds like you you gained quite a bit from it yeah and i i think like if you're lucky enough to i don't know finish faculty or before we become faculty get employed directly at i don't know jp morgan or whatever big companies that they will have a lot of data stuff like that it's hard for you to get this experience and for me because i didn't finish faculty and my faculty was in psychology so it was a little with data, but not that much. It was like not the type of data, like millions of rows and analyzing and doing different things. And with volunteering in these different associations, it was much more better because, yeah, they had a need and you could play and it wasn't so, and yeah, they would accept me even if I didn't finish in, I don't know, IT or the things like that. Because yeah, we've seen your work, we've seen what you started posting because what I was doing, uh, and also, uh, I don't know if you know and if the listeners know about OpenStreetMap. Uh, did you say Open uh, Streetmap? Yeah. 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 For those who don't know what OpenStreetMap is, it's a pretty cool uh, project that basically just makes a, it's basically a collaborative project that makes a really big 
map of the world. So it has all of the geo data for all these different maps. Did I, did I explain that right? Uh, yeah, so it, it's a project started in 2004 because uh, in UK, because in UK uh, they had the, the ordnance survey and this was uh, a survey that they were doing it for the whole UK, but they didn't publish it. You need to pay for it. And somebody, Steve Cost, he's his name, the founder, he was like, okay, I, I don't, why do we need to do it? Let's create our own map that will be free and accessible to everybody. And currently there are like 10 million, I think around 10 million people that registered on the website and millions of people that contribute to the map. And now in the last few years, there is also a lot of commercial support behind it. Like Facebook is using uh, for their maps, uh, Apple is using uh, OpenStreetMap for the maps and almost every Microsoft the same, almost everybody except Google, of course, because Google, they have a commercial product and they have kind of a monopoly with Google Maps and Waze being part of Google. Yeah, yeah. OpenStreetMap is definitely, it's, uh, in fact, I just used it the other day for some geographical uh, data that I was plotting. I, I used um, one of the, the Python. Let me, let me see what I used. I think I used, let me see. Um, no, I was using Plotly and Plotly has a uh, OpenStreetMap uh, functionality to it. So I was making some, oh, some, some cool. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And it, it's a good project. I feel like uh, it's very useful. And obviously a lot of it is open source, which is so nice because like you said, then you don't have to pay for it, right? Exactly. And uh, for me, when I discovered, uh, I was doing volunteering and discovered also OpenStreetMap, then I, I started thinking like, hey, there is a lot of data that public authorities have, but uh, they don't uh, share it. And sometimes they don't share it because they don't want, or other times they don't share it because nobody asked for them, or they don't share it because they don't have a way how to share it. So what I started doing, uh, I was looking at the different open data sets, and I was like, okay, this is the list of uh, all of the pharmacies in Romania because all, each pharmacy needs to be regulated and uh, to have a license. So I was getting this kind of list and then, okay, then I can import this list in OpenStreetMap. So this is how I kind of started uh, uh, about doing, uh, like taking some data from one part and contribute to the open source uh, movement uh, in the other part. And sometimes I was, uh, I was also started participating in different meetings uh, when different ministries were holding like uh, open days or things like that. I would go to them and ask them like, hey, what, kind, what type of data do you have? And I find out like there was a list with all of the uh, places of worship in Romania. Like there were like 12,000 of them. And I'm like, okay, can you share this data? And because I want to import it in OpenStreetMap and if there will be an OpenStreetMap then it will be available to the whole world and this is good for traveling and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. So were you just doing that to like as part of volunteering and to contribute to the open source community or, or why were you doing that? Oh, I, I like data and uh, <laughs> I, I find it useful and I didn't find that information. And most of the times, uh, some of the initiatives that I had were because I had a, I had a need. I, I wanted this data set, but I didn't find it. Or I would find it, but it was like 2,000 euros. And I was like, this stupid. We should, let's find this data and we can, because I, I didn't have access to the money. Maybe if I would, I don't know, be in another situation, 
I would and I would have the money then okay instead of me spending three days getting this data I would pay a sum of money and get to the data but I didn't have access to capital and so this is why I was able to use my intellect to and my time to gather the data that I needed and if I have the data why not also share it freely to the world so everybody can benefit out of it that's, yeah that's that's awesome I think that's one of the uh you know, one of the coolest parts about data in general is there is a lot of it that is open source and there's such a strong community behind it. And that's actually something that I don't think I take advantage of enough um, is contributing. You know, I contribute to the community in maybe a little bit different way than most people. I, I run these sessions on LinkedIn. I have the podcast, but I feel like almost a little guilty because I've actually taken so much from the community you know, from open source, you know, Python is all open source. I use Python a lot. I use OpenStreetMap. And I haven't, I haven't really contributed to any sort of library or anything like that. So it's, it's cool that you kind of use, you know, your experience to contribute to the open source community. And that was great for you because you were able to get the data you needed. It's great for everyone else because they're able to get data that you kind of already got for them. And it's also good because it gives you experience and it, it builds your your resume and even even your name recognition a little bit more because some of these people that end up contributing to these open source projects almost almost become legends <laughs> in some way for their for their contribution. So that that's very cool. What a what a cool experience. Yeah, and uh, uh, what I would want to say regarding like also volunteering and why it's also useful, yeah, you get the experience, but uh, and what I started to uh, do, I did this for like two years. I was uh, asking for a lot of data and putting it in OpenStreetMap, but after doing it for two years, I was like, okay, the map is, I improve it like 5% more, but uh, it's still more, uh, not that complete. So I, I created a uh, community for OpenStreetMap Romania, a Facebook page and a Facebook group where I try to involve other people and uh, try to also bring them along. And currently the community has around 2000 people almost. And uh, what uh, what is what's useful because with that community, I was trying to promote the OpenStreetMap movement in Romania. But uh, like in 2015, I think, or 14, uh, somebody from the World Bank contacted me because they needed an expert in OpenStreetMap. So this is how I got to be a consultant for the, for the World Map and also to get paid by doing something that I loved and I was doing it as a hobby but then yeah somebody had a need and uh, I was one of the persons that knew how to use that uh, that tool tool in this case OpenStreetMap so wait that is really cool you were you were kind of grassroots you were you know building it you were volunteering you were giving your time kind of for free as a hobby and you started this Facebook page, and I was just reading on your LinkedIn that it's followed by over 136,000 people. And then eventually it got to the point where you were kind of seen as the expert in this field so that when, you know, a big organization, did you say the World Bank? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. When they needed someone, they, they came to you and they're like, hey, I need an expert in this. And, and they were paying you. You basically transformed your hobby into a paid gig for an awesome organization is that right yeah exactly and i've seen this happening multiple times like i also started i was uh, in a volunteering project uh, in uh, estonia and i learned how to do graffiti spray painting where you can paint planets with uh, with graffiti 
and also I started doing that uh, as a hobby. And uh, after some years, then company started uh, requesting my services. Like, hey, we have a team building. We can pay you 500 euros to come and uh, teach us how to paint. And like, perfect. Why not? And I can also keep the cans at the end. So, and you pay for the travel and the accommodation. So, win all the round, all around. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think one of the things we cover on the Data Career Podcast is basically how to break into the data industry. Um, and so we've talked about, oh, you know, you can do a master's or you can do a boot camp or, you know, you can self-study. But volunteering is actually one of, the, one, of the, one of the best ways. And I think you're a prime example of how, you know, volunteering turned into, you, you know, a, a great job and a great career. Um, let, let's think. Um, so with, with that being said, um, you, you ended up, and I'm, I'm, this Facebook page that you have ended up leading to something called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Corruptia Ucide, uh, corruption. Corru- yeah, corru- how do you say that? Corruptia Ucide, corruption kills. In okay, corruption kills, and uh, that eventually, uh, you know, this this Facebook page that you had, um, and just knowing so much about what's going on in Romania and the, all the data that you had about the corruption led to this organization. Is that correct? Uh- Almost. So in 2015, there was a night fire tragedy that killed 65 people, including a friend of mine. And uh, I was an activist from 2011. And in 2015, uh, after that uh, tragedy happened, I decided to create this page, Corruption Kills, so we can, uh, uh, like most of the things that we were doing, we're also using data, uh, using the Freedom of Information Request Act, FOIA, which is in around 170 countries where it, it allows you as a citizen to ask the state anything you can ask them like how much it costs to light the street or how much do they pay for garbage or all of the things some of the things maybe you find it on the on the website directly but if not you can ask them uh, uh, almost everything so what i started doing uh, with corruption kills uh, with data because what we did and how the the page got this big. It was mostly because we organized the biggest uh, protest in the history history of Romania, where we had uh, seven uh, six six hundred thousand people participating. But uh, the data part uh, wasn't that influential because yeah, people uh, people are not that interested in data. Usually, if you have data, it's, it's harder to put the data in a story to explain to people. But uh, we are also doing this using the FOIA. The Freedom of Information Request Act, and currently I send over seven thousand FOIA requests to three thousand public institutions in Romania, and uh, I develop a methodology called uh, Act FOIA, the Anti-Corruption Toolkit for the Freedom of Information Request Act, where uh, the idea is that you send the same request. Let's say how much does it cost to remove the snow in each city, and you send the same request to like all of the cities in in a country. This is what I did. And I got like 300, uh, uh, I asked like 300 cities, got around 150 replies back. And then uh, with the replies, uh, I was uh, I was interested in only two things. One is how much does it cost per citizen, which is the cost paid by each citizen, and which is the cost paid by per kilometer of removing the snow. 
by doing this, then we can have the medium cost and we know, okay, this is the medium cost and we can identify the local authorities that are paying much more and probably this is where we will find corruption. And also we can identify the local authorities that uh, are kind of a good example of that. And in the case of removing the snow, of course, you need to take in consideration the altitude and other things, different things. But we also ask about uh, how much that it costs to to take care of the landscape, uh, uh, how much that it costs for the accounting uh, for each individual mayor. We ask like 10 different things uh, so we could identify different types of uh, possible corruptions or at least inefficiency in the system. Wow, okay, so that's very interesting. So if I understood you correctly, basically what you do now as part of this organization and as part of the Freedom of Information uh, Act is you basically can ask the government anything. Um, and one of the things like, for instance, you could ask is you could ask every city how much it costs to remove the snow and you can kind of compare and contrast all the different prices. And if one is really expensive, that can give you some sort of indicator of, of corruption or at least of, you know, not optimizing the resources as well as they possibly could. Now that's very interesting. Now, when you get that data, I'm assuming that's coming back to you via email or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Most of the time, like 95% of the time, it, it's gonna come back as a PDF. Okay, so then where do you, I guess you, you put the data somewhere else, where do you end up putting it? So one optimization that I did, uh, I'm, I'm writing my queries in, that are kind of complicated to reply directly in text-based form. So this is why I, when I'm sending an email, I'm also giving them an Excel template that they can to come in there to be more simple for them. They can put the, the, the answer in that Excel. So I'm getting that Excel and then I'm parsing it using, I don't remember the name of the software, a PDF to Excel converter. And I'm converting the answers to Excel and then I'm using currently, I, I'm not even put them in the database, they're in some Google spreadsheets where I'm collecting all of the answers. Okay, that's, that's cool to build all those answers. Do you have plans to like give, give that data back to the government? I'm, I'm just like wondering, like I think it's very cool what you're doing. You're kind of crowdsourcing this data collection that like you said, I mean, the, the government, well, it's actually kind of interesting. The government, each individual city knows how much it costs to remove the snow. So they probably aren't even talking to each other. So I think the government would even like that data, you know, just over here and like me in, in Utah, maybe it'd be interesting for me to compare because in Utah it snows quite a bit. So we don't, I don't think we, uh, we, I don't think we uh, adhere to the Freedom of Information Act, but uh, it'd be cool for me to compare like, what is, okay, what is Utah's price to remove the snow? Per, per square kilometer or per person. And let's compare that to every city in Romania. Is, is, is there like a place where I could access all of Romania's data as, so, as a crazy random American citizen? <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 yeah, I can uh, share the link and you can see the prices for the different uh, cities. But uh, my vision for this, but uh, I didn't have the funds to, to do it. Uh, it would be to have a website where uh, you would see all of the answers from uh, for, for all of the different questions that were asked and you could see it on the map like because you, you don't compare only with utah you can compare with uganda you can compare with france 
like basically I see it as a platform where uh, people from all around the world can do send uh, the same uh, FOIA request, uh, the same ACT FOIA request, and when they got an answer back, they can upload it to the website, and then we will have one more data point. And uh, also, I would see it with uh, uh, if you go to like you will see, okay, I mean Utah, and you would be able to see that Utah is in the twenty or ten percent the most expensive in US or. 10% most expensive in the whole globe. So you could uh, compare it to other parts. And the idea would be that when this platform will get more used and people will know about it and they will start also looking, this is something that you, when elections are coming, especially you can go to the mayor or you can go to the people that are uh, running on the ballot and say like, okay, we are currently really inefficient with this and this and this compared to the state of Utah or compared to the whole US. Or what are your plans if you get elected to decrease this? So this will kind of create the transparency needed so people can know. The same as with the corruption perception index or the there are different indexes that are created. This will be kind of another data point where people and uh, political parties and elected officials would uh, know that, okay, we cannot steal that much because then uh, this will be visible because so media is doing this community global uh, threshold uh, for different uh, indicators. That, that's a cool. That's a cool vision. Um, and I, I mean, that's really cool, especially from you know just one guy. I think I think the World Bank does try to do some of this and tries to democratize data, but you never know what you can trust and, and what you can't trust. So I mean, that's that's a very cool. Uh, goal and I hope I hope one day you're able to see it through. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so tell me a little bit more about what you what you do currently. So your current your current role on LinkedIn and your headline is a GIS and data mining specialist. So what what do you currently do for for a living? Yeah. So currently I work as a freelancer for the last three years. I work as a freelancer for different clients that need uh, help uh, with data mining. And this can mean uh, different things. Uh, I cannot give specific uh, examples, but uh, there was uh, like a client that needed, uh, they, were, they were building uh, a service uh, where they were aggregating data from different uh, uh, streaming uh, services like Disney, uh, Netflix, and others. Uh, so you could be able to see in one place. So uh, I don't know if you want to watch something to know this is the platform that you can choose, or if you want to watch, I don't know the next Game of Thrones episode. Uh, this is where it's gonna be. Usually, is the template. But um, so uh, what I started doing was I was I started collecting a lot of data, and then uh, yeah, with the clients. Data is like, if you go on the web, everything is data. Even some of the websites will be like, of course, HTML and we need to extract from the HTML. But now, especially when a lot of the websites uh, are more uh, uh, API based, is more about identifying the APIs and seeing how we can extract the data for the different needs of the client. If you like, some of the clients will need like a list with uh, persons to contact. Like you want to build, uh, I don't know, a, like the Forbes 500 uh, 
uh, or, th or 300 months to wealthy people. But uh, instead of this, maybe you need uh, a list with, I don't know, artists from uh, that country or, uh, I don't know, different types of uh, groups of people or, or companies or, uh, I don't know, websites where you can post something. So I kind of do this uh, identifying of uh, the data sources and uh, downloading for the clients and processing them in a format that's good for them. Some of them will okay. Next. Okay, that, that makes sense. So it sounds like a, a decent amount of web scraping is, is, yeah. is kind of what you do is you, there's, for instance, maybe we, I know, I know one of my last web scraping projects, I was curious to know how fast um, different people on LinkedIn were growing their, their network. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was scraping their followers or their connection count every day and, and analyzing that. Um, so that's kind of an example of, of something I guess you would do for a client. Um, let, me, let me ask you this though. Web scraping is very powerful because, you know, you can access a lot of information very quickly. I mean, because you could have a human go through, right, and look at all these hundreds of different websites and find the emails or find the phone numbers that your yeah. client wants. If, if he um, has over 1 million votes, it will take him like three years probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, how, and you can do that in like a day with web scraping basically? Yeah, one day, maybe five days if you, I know, need to do some limit, rate limit, depending, depending if you go one by one. But yeah, it, it, you can do it in a matter of days. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you about because a lot of websites aren't huge fans of web scraping they're not they're not too big of a fan um <laughs> of web scraping in general just because they're like oh it's it's my data um and i want to protect it and you know those those types of things um yeah. so i was curious like as a as a data miner and i mean uh, and uh, as always like only talk about what you can talk about because i do know yeah. that you have confidentiality and all that stuff but like can can you like web scrape like do you have clients that you're web scraping for where it's very difficult to, to web scrape the site? Like for instance, they're, they're, they don't really like it. Most of the websites, uh, in a way of, or others have limitations. And of course, most of the websites don't prefer not to be web scraped. There were some cases in where actually uh, the company was talking with the other company, like, Hey, we need the list with all of your locations. And they didn't have that list, so they were like, oh, you, you, we have it on the website. So in a way, they were begging us to scrape because they didn't have it <laughs> in, a, in another place, which is, uh -huh. yeah. But uh, yeah, like, uh, and especially now it's becoming, in a way, harder to scrape, uh, uh, especially if you have, like, I don't know, a CDN, like Cloudflare or other things like that, because they will do much more good uh, bot detection. So for me, what to uh, help to, in a way, it was that uh, a lot of the webscaping that I did, it was the same. I started doing it as a hobby before actually getting paid for it. And uh, something that I can talk publicly is like medium.com. Like I scraped the whole medium.com website in 2016 and I got like six or seven million articles uh, and a lot of other data. Uh, and uh, what I started doing with that data, I was interested in Let's create some, uh, because I was, and I'm a 
vivid medium user and i wanted to know like okay what type because and i i dislike to the fact that uh, it's hard to find uh, articles on medium usually they try to recommend you like with this or with this you have five versions uh, five choices no i want to see the whole database and i want to see what's more what's the most relevant and uh, after scraping the whole medium uh some of the things i did like analyzing the top 1000 tags on medium and seeing uh, what's the difference between them like what's the medium time to read how many images did they use how many links did they use and is a lot of data that you and a lot of angles that you can go with uh, medium.com and what was interesting for me is let's say i want to learn uh, about uh, venture capital or angel investing there were like 10,000 or 20,000 articles tagged uh, with angel investing uh, vc or some other tags that were relevant uh, what i was able to do is okay extract the links for each of these article and then give me group group them by and give me like which is the most uh, used youtube video let's say so i would be able to say from 2000 from 20,000 articles 200 of them will have this youtube video of, i don't know maybe warren buffett saying something or some stuff like that so uh -huh. if you are interested in a new domain be it vc or be it, i don't know anime or whatever you could use this data to to know okay if you if you watch these 30 videos these are the most referenced by 1200 persons that written about this topic so start with this or start with these articles like this new york times is the most referenced and other things like that so this was a project that was made by me because i was curious but uh, it, it kind of illustrates yeah the power of web scraping and this is this is only with one website if you have also some like i don't know reddit or some other websites you can get more uh, better insights about okay if you're interested in this domain this is how you can start wow that is very interesting um yeah and i've i've actually i've seen that some of your your medium articles about that you made some pretty cool uh visualizations on some of the the links that you're talking about right there so that's that's super cool what a what a fun project um and and i mean there's so many interesting questions that can be answered with web scraping um that's pretty interesting i had a i had a client Hey, actually, uh, Florine, maybe this is maybe yeah. this is a collaboration that we can do. I had a client reach out to me the other day, and they want to find the fastest growing YouTube channel. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. They they want to find the the fastest growing YouTube channels, and uh, they like obviously that's not something I spend my time you know wondering about or thinking about, um, but um i did some research and they did some research and there was a website that had some of the information you know and a lot of it was behind a paywall um yeah. but but they to be honest they weren't doing that good of a job as they they could have been um but but then he was like okay so in order to do this project what do we have to do and i was like well to be honest you kind of have to you if you want like a definite answer you kind of have to scrape almost every single youtube channel in the world which is a lot yeah and for, for me one of because I, I like this kind of question like okay how many channels youtube channels there i think they have like maybe two million or i don't know exactly probably this will be an official 
answer but also like when youtube and all and netflix and everybody they use recommendations and okay i will click and click and then you will suggest me other channels but i don't i do not want it like this i want to search i don't know identify all of the channels that are about web scraping if they are or things like that and in a way it's harder to identify this using directly youtube or even other websites so one of my things that i would want to do would be to get a list with all of the youtube channels with their descriptions and maybe the all of the videos that they have uh, so i could yeah i could see this and then i can i don't know do also like a recommendation if you have if i would meet somebody i will go like in in october i will go to forbes in uh, detroit for the forbes 30 under 30 summit and uh, i would meet somebody from i don't know maybe from blockchain or stuff like that and like ah, talking with him and like i'm blockchain okay i know sometimes something about blockchain but having this list of all of the youtube channels i could also recommend him like hey do you know this channel about it has already 200,000 subscribers and they're talking about blockchain so i could do smart recommendation for people that would be in other domains that i'm not based principally in like somebody could come about i don't know greek theater and i could kind of yeah suggest more relevant stuff for him even if i don't know that subject but i have yeah it's useful for him because he doesn't have and almost nobody have access except youtube employees yeah that yeah that's the problem is is youtube employees have the access and it, it is interesting that i mean google just wants to keep that uh, information to themselves you know um I, I guess it makes sense but uh i feel like they could sell that information for for a decent amount of money but i mean obviously they think it's more valuable i guess to to keep that a secret so we'll uh we'll have to see if we can ever figure it out and what i would try for the getting the list of the like the list with all of the channels uh, also youtube have the marketing platform I, I would see if in that marketing platform you can also only select by uh, by uh, the different uh, types like i don't know people interested in marketing or stuff, stuff like that or like in Facebook, you could do like, okay, people that are following, uh, uh, I don't know, somebody from uh, from YouTube, and maybe we can get a list from there. If you would have like a pop-up or something, and we can reverse engineer and do kind of a dictionary attack. Like, okay, now give me something with the account called like AAA and AAB, AAC, stuff like that. And it will give us a list of like, I don't know, maybe 50 channels yeah i think i think you're right i think niching it down into categories or at least sub chunks makes it a, a lot more manageable but what i ended up telling this client is if you want if you want to build this this ends up being <laughs> i mean this ends up being a pretty expensive project because it's uh it's quite a bit of work i mean there's a lot of youtube channels out there in the world and it's it's hard to know what each and every one of them is doing and on a weekly basis re-scraping everything it's just going to take a while, especially because I'm sure the escaping part, I don't find it a problem because uh, uh, if the follow following count and I think it's like if you can go in a Google Chrome in an incognito browser and paste the link for that channel and you can see the view count, then with proxies, this can be done uh, even daily if you want to be really precise, that would not be a problem. and probably you need some more machines if you if we if you want to do it for the whole 
because what I would do first, I will try to yeah get uh, download the definitive list of the five million channels or two million or how many they would be. Yeah, that's hard to figure out the list. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the that's the more challenging part, but it's not impossible. Like definitely, it can be done. It's, it's an idea of like okay, just finding the most. Uh, because we could do also like what I would do it. Maybe I don't need the YouTube to do it. I need uh, something else to get the data and based on that to create kind of the seed list that I'm interested. And uh, you could also because some channels are also following other channels. So you could kind of go, OK, start with this seed list of 100 channels and then go on all of the 100 channels. Give, give me that list. And also if they have other channels that they're following, Go, go on that channels. Now, if that channels also have new channels, go, go, go. And this would probably identify maybe 70% of them. And also for the web, for the scraping, I would not scrape each day. I would create different rules. Like if it yeah. has less than 500 followers or yeah, less than 500 people subscribe, then go only once a month because it's not that probable that this will go to 1 million directly. So I would create different rules like this based on the how many people they would have. Yeah, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's such a fascinating project and such a valuable skill that you have, right? Your data mining and the web scraping brings power to the people and knowledge to the people. So I I really love it, Florian. That that's very cool. Um, we're almost at our time here. I did want to ask you if you had, if you like someone came to you and let's say they're, you know, maybe they're an artist or they're a finance professional or maybe an engineer and they said, Hey, I want to, I want to have a data career. What advice would you give them? Uh, if they would want a general data career, uh, if they're still young and don't know where to go to, to university, go to a, uh, directly to computer IT, something uh, in that field, so you can learn the basics. Like for me, I, I learned a lot of things by trial and error. And uh, after a while, I also started having friends that they were much more better at me in different things and they could help me. Uh, shout out Matei. <laughs> uh, and uh, for, uh, for this, I, like, I think I would probably have been much faster, a better kind of a programmer and having a more computer science mindset if I would go to faculty in that specific domain. If not, like even now, the internet is full. Like go on Coursera, go on uh, Udemy, go on others and uh, try to find the uh, things that uh, interest you. And uh, there is a website called ro roadmap.sh, it's hash. I will send the link which uh, they have a really nice uh, printable uh, big paper with like how to become a backend uh, developer how to become a front-end developer i don't know if they have also one for i think they also have one for how to become a devops and i don't know if there is uh, they have one for data science but if not there are other resources on the web because you need to understand that uh, uh what what does it mean to be a, I don't know, data scientist or a data mining specialist? You need to understand what are kind of the small building blocks that uh, are useful for you. For me, like in data mining, of course, you need to know HTML because you will scrape a lot of websites. 
then you need to understand this. You need to understand uh, the HTTP and the TCP IP protocols a little. How do they work? Uh, what types of requests do you get? Okay, I'm sending this request, blah, blah. How can I modify the headers? How can I try different things to see if I'm, I'm searching for a, a site and uh, it only gives me 10 results, but I see in the link that they have a limit equal 10. What happens if I put limit equal 500? Will, will I get 500 results? So these are the things that uh, you start learning and uh, for uh, each, like for data, understand uh, also like some algorithms and if you are interested more in visualizing, uh, also understand some visual design because for me, I was, I was creating a lot of charts, but they were really ugly in the beginning. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm seeing other people that were doing it much more beautiful and then like, Sometimes I will email them and like, hey, I'm also interested in this. Can you, I don't know, point me in some directions, recommend some books that you have read or stuff like that. So yeah, ask the people that are already doing this and most of them are really happy. Like even more me with webscaping. Like if I have people that are interesting, interested in this, let's have a chat and uh, we can discuss. And uh, because what I find a lot of people that are really passionate about something, be it maps, uh, GIS, data science and things like that, they really want to share this. And in a way, you, you don't find the people because you will find that the people are like, oh, no, I don't work with data. No, I'm more whatever. So yeah, try to find the people or if you are more introvert and stuff like that, just find the website, find the YouTube channel, find where that people communicate and do, do like you have free code camp you go on free code camp and you just need to be perseverant and you will learn a lot about how to use javascript in other tools or i don't know if they have also for python but like if if you want to learn you have the whole internet and you have a lot of uh, resources you have github you can start with github find something that interested you find something that is on github more better it if you find it first in the language that you kind of understand if you know more python find some things in python and then okay learn the code see what this code does and modify it for your own use case i love it there is there are so many good things that you said there um you know formal education is valuable you didn't you didn't have that but you said you kind of wish that you did so that's one option yeah. You said learning online, you know, through some sort of boot camp or courses, that's a really good option. Talking to an expert, you know, just learning from them, maybe some sort of apprenticeship, that's a really good option. Um, so I loved all the things that you said. I think one important thing that you said is find a hobby within it that you really enjoy. And that's what I see. You're such a good example of, you know, you fell in love with the open street map and the, the volunteering and the government data and, and that way the learning never really felt like a chore it was always it was always for fun um so i love the volunteering i love the hobby aspect of your learning of of coding in the data world what what a cool experience and uh thank you for for sharing with others and congratulations on the the forbes 30 under 30. i saw you're going to detroit later this year i hope i hope you enjoy that and uh congrats on that Thank you. And uh, also, uh, what one thing because when you're talking, uh, I've got some ideas. Uh, For sure. With uh, with the data, 
also learn uh, and for me it was getting new projects and learning because i was using excel i didn't want to use something more than excel because excel was perfect but then at one time i discovered the ogp the open government partnership and i discovered open data and i wanted to the list uh, with like the whole companies in Romania and that list was was 1,200,000 roles so I could not load it in Excel so hmm, what do I do then and then I started researching and okay I need to learn how to use the database and learn SQL so I can load the data into SQL and play with it the same with OpenStreetMap I started doing some analysis uh, I wanted to create some visualization for all of the world with different stats and things like that but this did not uh, go well for Excel. So I needed to learn Postgres and PostGIS so to learn to process that data. So by taking new challenges and new projects, you will start learning new skills because you, even if yeah, maybe it's more simple to work in Excel or in Tableau or other stuff, maybe sometimes it's good to know programming because you can process like 20 million lines of code or you can create a visualization that is much better or more interesting in D3, in JavaScript or others, then you would do it directly in Tableau. So, yeah, grow your skills and challenge yourself all the time and you will learn new stuff. And uh, also for data scientists and everybody working with data, I, I highly recommend uh, Google Refine, now it's called Open Refine. It's a really good tool to work with mess messy data, especially if you have text data or you have messy data from government, uh, governmental offices, uh, you will find data like I, I had to do a cleanup where uh, there were there was uh, the public uh, procurement of uh, different uh, goods and they had like 7 million uh, votes, but uh, they didn't give uh, they di didn't give uh, directly some uh, unique ID. So you had only names and things like that. So I need to do like a name cleanup and open refine is really good for uh, working this this type of data and doing clustering using uh, different algorithms and uh, it's really really fast because uh, it's it, it works directly in ram it doesn't uh, use uh, the s the hard drive so it's really fast with uh, a lot of data but you require a lot of ram if you want to play with a big data set but yeah if you don't you if you don't know about open refine research it and it's really powerful for cleaning data I love it. Moral of the story is get going on a project, get working. And once you hit a, hit a snag, once you're not satisfied, you learn something else, some new tool that helps you learn data and do data even better. And, and we'll never stop learning, will we? There's always something new to learn. And, and another thing, publish what you do. Like, okay, you yes. did something perfect, but nobody will know. This is why, like, publish it, create a YouTube channel or create a, like, medium or anything else where you can put some of the things that you did so other people know because this is your resume. Like, for me, I'm using medium as a resume. So, okay, I'm a data scientist, but who says that? I, I don't have formal degree or stuff like that, but I have the experience and I have the post and the articles explaining how I did this and this and this and this. So this kind of create the credibility of like, yeah, actually do and actually work with data. And this is why people pay me $80 per hour or stuff like that. So I can, yeah. So promote yourself uh, because nobody else will do it. I love it. Publish, tell everyone about it, tell people about it multiple times. And you're, you're hundred percent right. Your, your publishing, your portfolio, your medium, your LinkedIn, 
that is the new resume. Resumes are dead. So okay. if you're not publishing and you're not telling people what you're working on, then you're not doing anything in the eyes of everyone else. Yeah, good said. I love it. I love it, Florian. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Um, super fun to hear about your story. Um, I am, I'm really pumped up about your story about volunteering and how that led to your, I guess, a hobby and volunteering in that hobby, which eventually led to you running your own business, which is, which is very cool. So congrats on everything, man. And thank you for, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. The same. Thanks. Thanks, Avi. Yep. We'll talk more in the future. Have a good one. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. Episode is over. Please, if you liked this, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. It really helps us out and helps the podcast out. I so appreciate it if you do it. Thank you so much. Um, once again, Data Career Jumpstart coming out in less than 30 days. Check it out. Send it to a friend. Send it to your mom. I don't care who you send it to. Send it to someone that wants to break into data science. It's going to be an amazing program. Check it out. DataCareerJumpstart.com.